The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. Memorial Day weekend is here. Ajay, do you have big plans for the weekend? You're going to climb a pole and get stuck up in the air? Ah, damn you, Greg. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no plans at all. No plans? No plans. Uh, for not climbing poles or just no oh, plans in general? Well, hey, by the way, uh, I mean, before we get into everything else going on, happy birthday to my dad today. 61, I think. 61. So I'm going to go over and have a bottle of Heineken and sit down with them and have a conversation about the good old days and call it a night. Okay, then. Call an Uber and drive home. It's probably a good, good sign. Good thing to do. <laughs> um, oh, it's getting weird. <laughs> what? You never... What? Some guy sits down and has a bottle of Heineken with his dad? That's weird? Uh, I just... Conversations with you get weird. Uh, big news today, uh, passing of Jerry Sloan. Since Fox Sports there up the hour chose not to talk about it, we will. Yeah, that's that's just... I mean, one of the greatest coaches in the NBA. No, it, I mean, I get it. Fox Sports has an agenda, whether it's Doug Gottlieb being a moron um, and us having to put up with his crap on our station. <laughs> I mean, guys talked about it at different parts through the day, but... Doug Gottlieb freaking it should be like Doug Gottlieb took the time to top. put a to to put Darren Williams in the middle of train tracks and run over him though. Instead of just honoring Jerry Sloan, let's throw Darren Williams underneath the train and just run him over. And then he did it on Twitter too. Like I don't know. It's, uh, some people we have on our station, I kind of wonder why. And I'm sure a lot of people listeners wonder why I'm on the station too. But <laughs> I'm better than Doug Gottlieb. Let's be honest with each other. Hey, uh, four three five four nine four about to get my number. Four nine four three five three three nine zero three two one. Uh love to hear, and we're gonna read them all. Uh love to hear your tributes about Jerry Sloan. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Uh we just see your number. We see the you see your number, we don't see your name or anything, so it's anonymous. Um, but we'd love to hear your tributes and your thoughts about the great coach Jerry Sloan. We will read every single one of them we can on air. Um I you know, I actually when I heard about it, I was kind of like, holy crap, he passed away. And then I went home and I like, I started crying. I, I honestly, I went home and sat on the couch and started crying for about 10 or so minutes. Um, and then, uh, and then I, uh, turned on the computer and I was watching highlights, not of him as a coach, but of him as a player. Like people forget he is one of the like all time greats in Chicago Bulls history. It's true. Really scrappy, defensively great incredible. He would have made Draymond Green cry. <laughs> uh, Jerry Sloan began his coaching career in 1979, the 79-80 season in Chicago. Coached there for just a few years, two and a half years before being fired in 1982. Utah Jazz, bring him on as an assistant coach. Frank Layden brought him on as an assistant coach. And eventually, Jerry Sloan takes over the reins in the 88-89 season for the Jazz. 
and has tremendous success from that point forward. 1,221 wins as a head coach. The vast majority of those all coming on the sidelines of the Utah Jazz. One of the few guys ever to win more than 1,000 games with one team. Perennially winning his division, perennially a team was competitive and a force in the Western, a very tough Western Conference. Went to the NBA Finals twice, has been to several conference finals, uh, Hall of Famer, coached Hall of Famers, uh, players that left the Jazz, either retirement or trades or what have you, a lot of them remember fondly their time with Jerry Sloan. He wasn't a warm and friendly guy all the time. He, he was definitely cut from a different cloth, very old school cloth. This is the way you got to do it. I don't care who you are, what money you make, how long you've been on my roster. This is how it's done. And some people that rubbed him the wrong way, others that got the best out of him. Um. I think, and I'm going to turn back the clock again a little bit and just say it goes back to his playing days. Like when he played, it was no nonsense stuff. He got in your grill. I was watching some highlights. Like he gets in people's grill. Uh, he's physical with them. If there's a loose ball, I mean, even if it's 20 feet away, he's going to do whatever it takes to get their floor burns and everything else on his legs and arms uh, to get to. So that's the way he played watching those highlights, which means that's the way he's going to coach. And I think when you say, you know, some took it, some didn't like the way he coached and some did, I think the latter generation is the ones who were pretty soft. That first generation of Stockton, Malone, Jeff Malone, Mark Eaton, Thurl Bailey, uh, those guys were all about it. David Benoit, Shannon Anderson, Chris Morrison and him had some issues. Greg Foster is one of those guys, though. Greg Oster tagging him had some issues, but you know I think in the end Greg kind of realized what what Jerry Sloan meant to Greg. Um, but we're talking about a guy, and this is mind boggles the absolute heck out of me, Eric. <laughs> he never coached an All Star game, and he never won NBA Coach of the Year. And by the way, the year after Stockton Malone left, well, and he was he was in line to coach. An Olympic team, too, and he never did that. Yeah, that's right. I think it was after 96, right? Because Lenny Wilkins had coached him. And I think he was there. I think he was in line after that. He was part of the 96 Dream Team coaching staff. Um, But he, he, I mean, but that, and, and that's whatever with that. Eric, the year after Stockton Malone left, Everybody said this team's going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference, scraping off the scum off the floor. They win 42 games and finish a game and a half outside of the eighth place in the Western Conference. 42 and 40, finish one game out or a game and a half, whichever it was, and he doesn't win Coach of the Year. In in 1997, he wasn't even the coach for the All Star team or 98, and I think they had the best record. In the Western Conference. Unreal. I swear David Stern had something against him. Uh, Well, right. How he managed the team after Stockton and Malone retired. Well, Malone left to Los Angeles and then retired. 
Uh, and then it was the totally a whole new cast of characters. Andre Karolinko was kind of that transition player. And then Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, those guys, Memino Core, they started to come along, got the team into the Western Conference Finals once again. Uh, it was a as a force in the West for a couple more seasons, and then uh, age and new attitudes and <laughs> players who would fight back <laughs> didn't want to take what he was given. He says, "You know what? I'm done. <laughs> Unprecedented, uh, just resigning middle of the season. It was a sad way to see him finish his coaching career." Yeah, it was tough, but um, I still. So I, when I used to help out with Salt Lake City Stars games for the radio, I, uh, Phil Johnson and I were talking about it, and you know, we just we didn't talk about that specific incident. We just talked about leaving the game, and Phil said he felt ready to go too. Like hey, that him and Jerry talked, and they both kind of said, "We're, you know, it's time to move on." And Phil said he doesn't regret it. He didn't miss it. Um, I remember, the, and it was the first time I actually met Sloan too because we were in this VIP room. And Phil and I were going in to get a drink, and, and Jerry's in there, and Jerry has his boot on his foot. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. And, uh, you know, I shake Coach's hand, said, you know, I, how you doing, whatever. And we're chatting for a little bit, and I, look, I noticed the boot, and I said, hey, Coach, by the way, what's the, uh, what's the boot on your foot for? And he says, kicking Phil Johnson's ass too many times. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil's like, yes, that's about right. And then Phil goes, you know, I saved him a lot of times after he get ejected, though, because he didn't want to sit there and watch our t- watch the ball game. He wanted to go inside the locker room and have a beer. And it just, I mean, their sense of humor with each other was incredible. And I think because everybody kind of knows the story that when Sloan was, said he was done, the management immediately went to Phil Johnson. And Phil said, if Sloan's not here, I'm not here. And they said, look, well, what, we, financially, what can we do? What can we do here? Hey, we're going to get rid of Darren Williams. And he's like, no. If Sloan's not here, I'm not here either. Yeah, that Period. that friendship and relationship ran really deep. Yeah. Uh, eight no, nine three one five texts in. How do you get a ton of coaches of the month but never get coach of the Dude, year? I nine three one five. You amen. I yeah, I'm with you. It's one of the great mysteries. Yeah, I I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I just that does not make any sense to me for how good of a coach he was, and the record. I mean, I I can't tell you. Maybe count on one hand from 1990 to two, we'll say to 2000, how many times he finished fourth or lower. Excuse me. Yeah, fourth or lower in the Western Conference. And not one time did he get that award. Let's see. Uh, I've got it posted. Oh, I've, got his, I've got his career record right here. Okay. So um, starting in 1988-89 season, first time he was a head coach for the Utah Jazz. First in the Midwest. These are division ranks. Okay? Oh, okay, yeah. Number one in the Midwest. Number two in the Midwest. Number two in the Midwest. First in the Midwest. Third in the Midwest. This was 92-93. Okay. Third in the Midwest, 93-94. Then, from there, it's either first or second, all the way until 2000-2001 season when they were third. Fourth, fourth, seventh. That's the year they missed the playoffs fifth, and second in that period where they missed the playoffs in three straight years. Then they jumped up to first in the Northwest, first in the Northwest, third, and first in the Northwest again in 2009-2010, the season before he resigned. Okay, so they missed the playoffs 
What years did they miss the playoffs, Eric? Uh, 2003-2004 season okay. through the 05-06. Okay. So those three straight seasons. Did they still have winning records? Uh, let's see. The first year they were he was forty two and forty. The next year twenty six and fifty six. Oh, then forty one and forty one. So only one year did he finish under five hundred. Yeah, really. The entire time he was with the Utah Jazz, he only had one losing season. One. <laughs> one thousand two hundred twenty three wins, playoffs and regular season combined. That's that's just incredible. You know what the best thing about Sloan was? And I was watching some more highlights on him. <laughs> when he nearly get in fights with players. Oh, I seen those the one were great. Where him and I, I think it was Brian, was it Byron Russell and uh, Rashid that went at it? And almost like, and, and Rashid flung Russell into the bench and Sloan just lost it. Like, just came unglued and went right after Rashid. I mean, and this, by the way, this is Rashid in 2000. Like, this is... Gang member type Rashid Wallace, who you didn't want to even sniff. And dude, he went right up nose. And in fact, if it wasn't for the ref, and I think Gordon Gordy Chiesa was right there and grabbed Sloan. And if they wouldn't have, Sloan wouldn't even have hesitated. He would have went fist and fist with the guy. Didn't he have an altercation with Kenyon Martin? Yeah, the, yeah. So that and one he was, was looking at him, he had this grin on his face, like, "You want to go? Oh, let's yeah. go. That was you want to fight? And dude, that, that's another guy. Like, he was ready. He you was ready. Touch him." And he, and that's the thing is Kenny Martin knocked Malone into the basketball standard, and he was hurt. And Sloan comes barging out there, and Kenny Martin kind of just turns around and goes, and then you you see Sloan mouth a couple of words that we can't say on air, <laughs> right. and Kenyon's grin just goes away. Kenyon's like, oh my gosh, this dude's serious. Yeah, this guy could really go. This old man could tear my head off. <laughs> and Jerry Sloan's following Kenyon Martin down this. <laughs> Down the court, and who was it? Was it Ostertag? And somebody else was like in front of Sloan. And Ostertag, one time after that, said, Oh, I wasn't protecting Ken, or I wasn't protecting Sloan. I was protecting Kenya Martin. <laughs> and then there was the one, uh, he had an incident with Mark Cuban. And, and at the press conference, Jerry Sloan says, I thought that was a fan. I had no idea that was cute. I thought, look, it's a fan in the stands. That's what he called him. Uh, it's funny. And then, of course, the Jerry, I think it was the same time that Jerry Stackhouse incident where Jerry and Sloan went at it. And Jerry, I mean, is older at this point. And, dude, he wanted to go so badly. And the ref knew it, too. And so, refs are like, all right, you know, and ref went throw Sloan out, obviously. But gave a tech to Jerry Stackhouse. And Stackhouse is like, what did I do? <laughs> And, uh, dude, Sloan was the toughest SOB in the league. Like, you never, ever messed with Sloan. And even players, I think, realized when when even, I think John Starks once said it. Think about that. John Starks actually played for the Jazz for a little bit. But he even said, you know, when I got there, I realized things were different in a good way when you played for Jerry Sloan. It was it, It's pretty cool, man, the respect that he earned and he got from so many. There's some great quotes on his Wikipedia page. Quotes that are attributed to Jerry Sloan. No way. Uh, Shoot me with this. I, I got to hear these. Here's one. After Stockton injured his finger during a game, Jerry was asked what finger Stockton injured. Jerry replied, the one on his hand. A <laughs> uh, great one about this at the time. He was a second-year player, C.J. Miles. Oh, geez, C.J. The 06-07 season. I don't care if he's 19 or 30. If he's going to be on the floor in the NBA, he's got to be able to step up and get after it. 
We can't put diapers on him one night and a jock strap the next night. It's just the way it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, give me another one. Give me okay, one. Well, but this is the only other one on here. So it says these guys have been criticized the last few years for not getting to where we're going. But I've always said that the most important thing in sports is to keep trying. Let this be an example of what it means to say it's never over. Uh, and you said this in reference to that Stockton shot uh, in the Western Conference Finals uh, over the Houston Rockets. Okay. Yeah, he's he's had some memorable ones. Uh, I think when we've I think you and I have both heard a, a few of them. Uh, my favorite one is it was from the Last Dance, but when uh, Jordan scored the thirty eight, you know, and with the flu and all, and he goes, "I didn't know he was sick. He's a good ball player. No one told me he was sick." You couldn't even tell. You could just tell he was more miffed and humored by the situation than anything. And then uh, his first win of his head coaching career, he goes, "Well, look, if you want to go eighty-two, if you want to go eighty-two and zero, you got to win the first one." I and you know we still have a shot to go eighty-two and zero. And looked at him, didn't even grin or anything. Just goes, and we still have a shot to go eighty-two and zero. And the reporter's like, "Oh, okay." Okay. Kind of realized where his place was. I, I I was reading, and there's been so many great stories on, on social media about him. There was the one where the bus driver, I think they, they, they were on the road. They got back to the hotel around midnight. So the bus driver had to drive home and then be back at the hotel at 6 a.m. just to pick the team up. So Jerry Sloan said, why don't you sleep on my couch in the hotel room? And crash there for the night. You'll be ready to go. So you don't have to drive home. Get plenty of sleep. Stuff like that. So we don't hear those stories, right? We never hear those stories of Jerry Sloan. Um, you usually hear the quotes, the tough-minded attitude, the, you know, the the uh, the tough uh, mentality of him. Um, but there was a soft and a soft side to him. And you know, after Bobby Sloan passed away, I think you kind of saw that that guard come down just a little bit. He softened up. Yeah, he, I think Bobby Sloan up. did a lot for him. But when she passed, you know, he. He started to kind of feel the effects of losing her. And, and Tammy, by the way, Tammy, if, I know you probably never met her, but she is the sweetest, most angelic woman you could possibly ever meet. Just a wonderful, incredible human being. And was so really, really, really protective of Jerry, rightfully so. Um, and, you know, would always be patient and kind of like when somebody would want an autograph or whatever, um, just so loving and kind and, and taking care of Jerry to make sure she was all right. I, so my thoughts and condolences out to her because this has got to be really tough. Great article on in, on uh, ESPN. They've kind of uh, tabulated a lot of the different uh, sentiments that's been shared on social media and other places. That's awesome. People reaching out and uh, re- um, reflecting on the person and coach that Jerry Sloan was. Uh, I've tweeted out the link uh, on Twitter. I'm at E. Franson. Uh, go check that out. It's NBA stars and Utah Jazz legends react to death of Jerry Sloan. Uh, boy, he he was hit with a double whammy with his, with his health. Yeah, that's with tough. Uh, Parkinson's and uh, Louis body dementia. That's uh, a those are two tough things to come out of. I'm glad that Darren Williams was able to reconcile with Jerry. Awesome. While Jerry still had some wits about him, he knew. And uh, yeah. uh, that's that's going to go down as one of my favorite stories. The article was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, one of our favorite people to talk to is Craig Smith, because once you turn him on, he's hard to turn off. And we could have kept going, but we ran out of time. We had a chance to catch up with him earlier today. Uh, USU men's basketball coach Craig Smith has some new additions to his basketball roster. We'll get his thoughts on them. 
uh, Abel Porter thought he was done with basketball, but he's going to be playing somewhere else. What did he think about that? And just uh, what things are going on right now for USU basketball and what the the future may hold for the Aggies. That's coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Utah State men's basketball program announced a couple of new signees just the other day. We get a chance to talk to their head coach, Craig Smith, about who these guys are, how that all happened, and definitely an international flair going on with Utah State men's basketball. Coach Smith, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, Coach. Hey, fellas. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a while, so I'm excited to be back on this show on this beautiful day, although it's one of those rare days where the sun's not out. And so... Uh, but I'm happy to be on, and, and thanks for the time. So, first of all, I mean, day, one day after another, we hear of two international players, one from Poland, one from Ukraine. I, I just I just want to know, who got that recruiting trip? Did anybody <laughs> go out and uh, get on a flight to go to Europe, or are you just doing this strictly off of tape? Well, uh, we've been recruiting both these guys for quite some time, and recruiting's always... Uh, you know, you wish you could write a book on recruiting, and you probably can, but there's, it's just, you just never know how it's all going to work out, right? And, and we've, we've been recruiting, quite frankly, worldwide for uh, ever since we've been at Utah State, and we really started it kind of the end of our, the end of our tenure at um, South Dakota. And so um, these are a couple young men that we're super excited about. Um, obviously, the NCAA has said we can't um, be on the road recruiting. You know, once the, we were actually on the, getting ready to go on a flight, the day so Thursday was the day the NCAA tournament got canceled. We were about to have a practice, and then uh, Eric Peterson and I were going to go on a flight to go see Raleigh Worcester playing his state tournament game, his state semifinal game. And then word came in that, nope, NCAA is canceling um, in-person recruiting. So we had to get out of that flight, so on and so forth. But I, I actually flew to see the big fella, uh, Shimon, last September sometime and and got a chance to meet him and talk to him and kind of do that whole thing. And so we had, you know, that was right before practice was starting. And and uh, it's always nice, and you can't do it. Um, in an ideal world, you always want to spend face time with, with the prospect, with, you know, if you can, their family, and just to get to know them on a different level, they get to know you on a different level, and and I think you build trust um, with each other from that respect. And, and, you know, it's like anything. Like, we can sit on the phone all day and talk, and people are going to form an impression. But when you can get face-to-face with somebody, sometimes that has a whole nother feel. Sometimes it feels exactly the same. Uh, but I think you get a better gauge. Like, is that guy... Uh, a genuine person is he a real person or is he full of you know what and and i think that's the beauty of in-person um recruiting obviously um you know and i know i'm taking this a step further but right as of right now it doesn't look like we're going to be able to go watch a kids play aau tournaments which really you know you can watch games from 8 a.m till 11 p.m and and so you just can mass evaluate and you just see so many more kids 
But at the same time, in some ways, it might be better to do it the way we're doing it now because you just dig into the game film, right? And you just watch them play with their high school team or their AU team and kind of get a, a different perspective that way. So um, anyway, it's kind of crazy how it all um, just worked out where we ended up getting two commitments on back-to-back days and it felt like we hadn't had a commitment for an eternity. So we were super excited about both these young men. I love our freshman class. And, um, you know, when it comes to recruiting, I know this is a long answer, but you're always trying to blend um, building the best team that you can for next year while at the same time building your team two years from now and three years from now and four years from now. And and you, you can't be short-sighted. And so many people nowadays just live in the now and it's always about next year, and it is about next year. Like, you know, I think these guys can contribute, or we wouldn't have taken them uh, at this point. Uh, but at the same time, you got to keep building for three years from now and keep the big picture in mind. So uh, I really like our roster. We're going to have some inexperience, but we certainly have a lot of guys, that, uh, uh, a team full of guys that I really believe in. Well, Coach, let's talk about one of your new signees. Uh, it's a big one, metaphorically and literally, uh, 6'11 to 220. Now, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Simon Sapala? How bad have we been Shimon. butchering it? Shimon. Shimon. Okay. Maybe I'm screwing it up. Holy too. cow, wasn't even close. <laughs> and how about his last name? Oh, man, you got me. <laughs> uh, but, but tell us about this kid. I mean, obviously, the last time you went and recruited a foreign kid uh, internationally and he came to Utah State, turned out to be a diamond in the rough and a gem in uh, Namiya's Keta. Tell us about uh, Shimon. Well, he's he's a very good player and an unbelievable person. And, and, and both. Like, and the dude is a brain. Like, he's super intelligent. And he's just a very humble well thought out young man. He just, I mean, every time you talk to the guy, he's got unbelievable questions. And I'm much like, man, you know, I can tell I got an ACT on my test score compared to this dude. But, um, and I took it twice to get that 18, but um, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> but he is, uh, he's, uh, so he's a great person. He's going to thrive here. Comes from a smaller community in uh, Poland, great family. And, um, you know, for a long time it was um, uh, it was Stanford and us, and then of course, like uh, late in the year, especially with big guys, you know, teams are scrambling, and all of a sudden, you know, all these other Minnesota, Wake Forest, Maryland, all these other schools start pouring in trying to get them. And, and but he's a he's a person that really is about relationships and trust, and and which we love, and you got to have that. But on the floor, he's like an aircraft carrier, like he is. I mean, he's 6'11". He told me the other day what he weighed in kilograms or whatever, whatever it is. And I trans, you know, I did. I pulled out the calculator while I was on the phone, and and uh, or not the calculator. I, I, I punched it in online uh, on my phone, and it translated out to about 240. So, and he's big. Like seeing him in person, he's a legitimate 6'11", and his shoulders are super broad. But he's got great feet, great hands. Uh, he's physical, uh, and he's got great feel. Like, he just really understands the game and knows how to play. And he's got a high motor. Like, he's always moving. Like, he just understands spacing the floor. So if a guy is driving the ball at a certain angle, he understands how to find the window 
to find an opening, and then he's uh, he's a really good finisher around the basket. So he's developing a three point game as well. I mean, he's not where he needs to be that way, but certainly he shot it at a a decent percentage last year. So he's got great experience playing internationally and playing for his country uh, of Poland, and, and he's been very well coached. So there's a lot of exciting things. Is he? Uh, he's not. You know, he's got a lot of work to do at the same time to get to develop his overall potential. But he's, um, uh, I can't wait to get uh, rolling to coaching this guy. And then Max Shulga from Ukraine. And both of these guys participated in the under-18 FIBA European Championships. This is a guard from Ukraine. Looks like he's got a pretty good shot and led a lot of different categories when he participated in that uh, FIBA World Championship. Yeah, Max is a. Uh, uh, I think he's a really. Um, I, I love his game. I think he's uh, he's just so versatile. He he's an excellent shooter. Like you see the stats, and it, it, that's what really when you watch him p- play, it just really pops that this guy loves basketball. And he just you know you talk to him and like what you know what are, what are your hobbies? And of course, kids don't even know what the word hobbies means anymore. Like, but it's what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? You know, he goes, Coach, honestly, all I like to do is play basketball. Like, I love to play basketball. And so, um, and so that's a great trait, but you can feel that when you watch him play. But he's an elite shooter. He's one of those guys that when he misses a shot, you're almost surprised. Like, he can really, really shoot it. And every time he misses, it's right on. Like, he doesn't miss left or right. But he's got really good feel. Um, he's a, a very good passer. And... Um, but he's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Like, he's an excellent rebounder. He's tough-nosed. Um, he just understands the game. And so I think he brings us a lot of versatility. You know, he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but 190, yeah, and he's 17. Like, if he was in the States, uh, he would be going into senior year of high school. So he's a young, he's a young kid. And, and um, so he could, I think we can put him in a lot of different scenarios. And he's one of those guys that can play with, like, anybody on the floor and really thrive. So I'm not going to say he's Diogo Brito. Their, their game is different. But at the same time, he does have some of those traits. You know how Diogo, um, like, you look at a box score after some of the games and he's got 14 points and he's got, you know, four assists and eight rebounds and three steals. And, and, and Max is kind of like that as well. He. He has great anticipation on the defensive end. Gets his hands on a on a ton of balls, and I, I don't remember what he averaged with steals, but it was a pretty high number. And so um, he kind of does a lot of things. And so when you when you really look at our roster, we still have one scholarship available. Nigel John decommitted in early, uh, like I think it was May seventh or something like that, right around that date. And and that's a whole other subject. Nothing, no ill will to either party, but. Um, that's how it goes sometimes. So if he doesn't want to be here, then we wish him the best. And so, um, but when you look at our roster, I'm really excited. We still have one scholarship available, and we'll just have to determine if we decide to use that or not. Coach, once again, you guys are pretty deep. Can you just talk about the excitement not only you have with your freshman class, but I know during press conferences last year, you you just be so hyped and excited about Liam McChesney and Marco Anthony. Can you talk about some of these younger guys who are going to get some minutes this year? I'm really excited about our roster. I mean, obviously, that senior class, you know, losing. I mean, Sam Merrill is uh, he's a once-in-a-generation type of guy. Um, you know, obviously, his 
folklore and legendary status and everything that he brought to the table, um, not only with his talent, but his leadership and those sorts of things. Like, I mean, that's a, those are, you know, that's going to be a big loss. We all know that. And Abel really was a steady Eddie guy and Diogo was just a fierce competitor. And, and so those guys were a big part of a lot of, you know, 54 wins and 15 losses over the last two years in, in two Mountain West tournament championships and two NCAA tournament bursts. So you don't just, you know, oh, this guy's this and this guy's that. Like, you got to go prove it, right? And chemistry every year is a big, big deal and, and synergy and all that stuff. Now, that being said, I mean, look at our roster and we're, we got a lot of talent and, and we're, it's, I would say the deepest roster we've had in our three years. But, you know, everyone right now thinks they're going to play 35 minutes a night, and that's just not possible. So, you know, we're going to see who develops and do, does those types of things. But, you know, Marco Anthony's a re- uh, transfer from Virginia, played behind, th- I believe, three NBA guys as his sophomore year. So he's gone against great competition. He's, he's got a chance to be very, very good. He's 6'5", and depending on the day, 225 to 230 pounds, and uh, he can play one, two, three, four. Like he can play any position on the floor except for center, and uh, just brings a lot of versatility. He's an excellent defensive player, and he can really um, he can score. And so we 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 need him to be a playmaker for us. Um, so he he sat out last year. You know, I thought Sean Bearstow really came on late in the year. Like we don't beat New Mexico in the first round of the conference tournament without him. I, I just watched that game the other day and. He had a phenomenal second half, even though he didn't. Well, he might have scored two points, but I don't. But he made a great play at the end of the game when Diogo made that three, and he drove it late in the clock, and they helped up, jump stop off two feet, hits Bean for a layup. I think Sean's a guy that uh, uh, needs to take the next step, and he will take the next step. He's ext- extremely motivated. You know, he broke his arm in the championship game, and um, uh, just talked to him the other day. He's, uh, that's all good. So we're excited about that. Liam McChesney, um, you know, 6'9", 6'10", kind of plays like Kevin Durant. I'm not saying he is Kevin Durant, but he has that kind of game to him, really smooth and slinky and unbelievable feet, moves really well. Um, he's up to 204 pounds now. I think when he got here, he was about 180, 175, 180. So he's starting to really gain weight that way. He didn't turn 18 until... I believe September 28th is his birthday, so he was very young when he got here as well. Um, but he's got to go prove it. He's, amazing, he's got a lot of talent, but he's got to be able to go prove it. And then, and so obviously he'll be a freshman, a redshirt freshman. Stephen Ashworth is coming in. The previous staff signed him, and we love him. He's a gamer, uh, really knows how to play. He just, just got back from his mission in uh, Indiana, and, um, and he can kind of do it all. He had, in the second half against Montverde, and I forget what the tournament, it was a big national tournament late in the year for Lone Peak High School, he scored 26 points in the second half. So he just has a knack for putting the ball in the hole, and, and that dude loves to play. Raleigh Worcester is a Mr. Basketball in Montana. Team won the state championship. He's 6'3", 205 pounds, and he really knows how to play. So super excited about those guys. Um, We'll be young and inexperienced in the backcourt, especially. Our frontcourt will be, should it, you know, has a chance to be very, very good. So we got to put it all together. Brock Miller, as we know, is coming back and he's going to have to 
he needs to have a great year for us, and I know he's really excited. He's been working very, very hard. So um, I'm sure I missed some guys, but uh, I wanted to kind of touch those young guys. So Matthew Wickheiser is going to walk on for us. He just got back from Italy um, serving his mission. And, you know, Matthew's 6'10", and very, very skilled. And so um, uh, I think he's got a very bright future, and I think he's going to – I think down the road he's going to be a guy that's going to uh, help our program. So we're super excited about next year, and we're super excited um, for the future of Aggie basketball. Again, we're talking to Craig Smith. He's the head coach of the Utah State men's basketball team. And you'd mentioned Abel Porter, uh, the impact that he'd had on Utah State. And we were led to believe that he was done with basketball – and then we learned that he's still got more in him, and he's going to go to Ohio State. Uh, what what was that process like to to hear that he was still going to play, but he's going somewhere else? And if he had one more year, would you rather he stuck it out and have one more year with you? Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was an interesting time. Uh, Abel Abel was very upfront early in the season that he was going to you know treat this year like his senior year. And if something would happen, you know, at a high academic school or a situation like that, that he would, he would probably strongly entertain that option. And so, um, or he's just going to be done. You know, Sam and him are best friends. Abel Red, you know, obviously he served a two-year mission, redshirted, um, got married about a year ago. Their family's expecting a child, him and his wife Presley. And, and so, but, you know, we met various times, like, hey, are you sure this is going to, you know, that you, this will be your last year at Utah State? Yes, coach, I'm going to move on. And So we just always had, and obviously we honored him on senior night. Um, and so uh, season gets over, and he had an opportunity, potential opportunity with another um, really prestigious academic school. And I just, you know, and he asked about it, and I said, hey, if that's what you want to do, like, let's let's get you in the portal, and you can explore your options. So, uh, you know, we knew the whole time that he wasn't going to be back here, and and I appreciate him just being up front. You know, the whole time that he, you know, he's already graduated, graduated college in three, got his undergrad in three years, has one master's degree that'll be completed here in about what three weeks. So, I mean, you know, he's earned two degrees at Utah State. Utah State's got a great place in his heart, and so he was always very upfront that this was going to be his last year here. And, and obviously this was an opportunity that he felt like um, he had to do. So I know maybe it rubs some people the wrong way or what have you, but at the same time he was always up front in terms of, you know, that he wasn't going to come back. And I have a, uh, you know, that guy's done a, a lot of great things for us and, and, and for our program. And, and so we're happy for Abel, and, and we're excited for the next guy that has the opportunity to represent Utah State. Uh, Coach, I know the season's still a little ways away, but with COVID-19 doing as much damage as it has to schedules and timing of whatever, uh, I know you guys are hoping to go to Myrtle Beach. Is that still in play to still happen? Yeah, to our understanding, all of our schedule, um, there's no issues. We are we are um, pretty much done with our scheduling. It's not We're not going to have the issues that we had last year. <laughs> That's great. Um, it, yeah, I mean, last year I think we were looking for D1 games in middle of September, and I think part I think there's a few few reasons for that. One, they saw Sam Maryland, Kata, and the Caster crew coming back. But two, you know, we played. If you remember, 
we played two conference games in December. And, and our conference tournament was a week earlier, which ended up being a great thing. But, like, if you look at our non-conference schedule last year, we, I mean, we were just playing nonstop. And we hardly had any practice time. And, and, and playing those two league games in that week really eliminated some opportunities to play other games. So this year, um, I don't want to say it was easier, but in some ways it was. It was still very, very difficult getting – it was easier to get games, but it was still very difficult to get, like, the LSUs, the, high, the BCS schools, right, the LSUs, the Floridas, the – those games were incredibly difficult to get um, again. But obviously we're playing BYU at home. Uh, I think it's December 5th. we got St. Mary's at home, I believe, December 12th. And so those are two high-quality home games that our fans, I think, will love um, and should be an electric environment in the spectrum. But as of right now, nothing has been canceled. I think, you know, we're not playing like last year we played in Jamaica, uh, I think those types of things are probably a little more likely to maybe be like, okay, are we going to play or not? Um, obviously, the California schools, um, the Cal State system, I think, is, had announced maybe a week ago or 10 days ago that they're not going to have students on campus. That still hasn't affected the UC schools, and we do play one of those schools um, at our place. So when that was announced, we called them right away. And that nothing like that has been canceled or um, or you know um, postponed due to the COVID nineteen. Hey, Jerry Sloan just passed away late last night. He's a Midwest guy. You're a Midwest guy. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on that. Well, thanks for saying that. I was going to bring that up. You know, he's um, you know as a young coach, you always you know, and obviously you see the last dance and, and you know the last two series with the Jazz and. Um, He's just always one of those guys that, you know, um, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. And But he's just such a legendary figure, certainly in the state of Utah. He's one of two guys that's won over a 1,000 games um, with one NBA team. And he was just, to me, as a young guy growing up, he was just always a guy you looked up to, even though I had no relationship, didn't know him, didn't know anybody that knew him. But, like, you always respected him. It was easy to see his tenacity and courage and conviction and competitiveness, but it was equally more impressive as a young coach. It was like, man, these dudes love this guy. Like, and he wasn't one of those guys, my perspective, and I don't, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but this is just my perspective. He was just one of those guys that wasn't afraid to hold people accountable for, for whatever actions, good or bad. And, and yet he had like a dry, you know, had this dry kind of wit, sense of humor. And, um, but it always appeared that the guys that he coached loved to play for him. Like they just, they gave it everything they had, um, on a nightly basis. And I think that's one of the things with the Jazz when he coached them is like, you knew, like, you got to show up to play to beat them because they're not going to beat themselves, right? They're not going to be lazy. Like, maybe every now and then you're going to have a bad night. Maybe you don't shoot it well. Maybe whatever. But they didn't ever seem to make excuses. And so, um, you know, you know when, when I got hired here two years ago, certainly you always talked about Utah State. But this, this state loves basketball. They're very knowledgeable about basketball and very passionate about basketball. And, and, and 
And I think that those, you know, Jerry Sloan teams that uh, epitomize the state and what they believe in, and that's one thing we tried to tell our guys when we got here, we don't know if we're going to win or lose. Like, we don't know that. But we know how knowledgeable our fans are, how passionate they are, and whether it's the Utah State fans or the whole state. And they're always going to respect you if you play hard and you play the game uh, with, you know, be, with, a, with an edge, like being a tough-nosed guy, taking charges, first on the floor, and they're going to respect you when you share the ball and move the ball and play as a team. And if you do those kind of things, they're going to show up in masses. And obviously they want you to win, but they'll show up if you play the game a certain way. And I think Jerry Sloan's teams really epitomized that, um, certainly in this state, and carried that throughout the country and, and throughout the NBA. So uh, certainly a, a, a tough day and a sad day in, in a lot of respects for the basketball community and in, in the great state of Utah. Coach, uh, great, yeah, great answer, great response. Uh, certainly we're all... Uh, great memories from a lot of us around here about uh, Jerry Sloan and his impact on the state and how he t- treated basketball and, and life, really. So uh, appreciate that and uh, appreciate what's going on with Utah State men's basketball. It's a curious time that we find ourselves in, how it affects recruiting and scheduling, but uh, we continue to keep an eye on how you're handling it and uh, we look forward to when we can see basketball on the hardboard again. Man, I can't wait. I, I, I uh, actually, you know, just staying in touch with some of our guys. I talked to Justin Bean and Nimi yesterday and Marco today, and those guys are all chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get back here and start working out and, you know, being together as a team. It's hard to believe it's been nine or ten weeks since we all um, were together last. And, you know, we, we told the team the NCAA tournament wasn't happening, which they had already known. We gave our hugs and literally – Two days later, Sean Barstow's flying back to Australia and Alfonso's going back to Seattle. And because that was the recommendation from the school, just like it was from most schools. And um, seems like an eternity to uh, go. But our guys are fired up. You got to make the most out of everything. Everybody's dealing with it. And so we can't wait to get back together and get back on that spectrum floor and represent our, our uh, fantastic school the right way. So. Can't come soon enough, but at the same time, we're going to work hard to get better, and and um, this is a time that players are made, and so our guys are very, very determined, and I know we feel like we have a, um, something to prove next year, so we can't wait. All right, thanks, I Coach. I appreciate you, Coach. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. Have a great weekend. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Andre Salveson, really appreciate Coach Craig Smith coming on and joining us. Yeah, he was about to head up into the mountains too, so we would have had no service at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, yes, that's awesome. Good we, stuff. we spoke with him a little bit earlier in the day, but uh, we appreciate the time that he set aside for Eric, us. Eric, it's on our podcast. We've just posted it, so it's ready to go on 106onthefan.com or Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify have it as well for us. Awesome. So you can go listen to it again. He had some really interesting things to say, Jerry Sloan, am, international recruiting. I'm glad you asked about Abel Porter. I'm that glad was interesting. You, I'm glad you asked about that. That was an interesting answer. Because there has been speculation sitting on both sides of the fence of exactly where the feelings were, what happened, and to hear it from the horse's mouth is a great thing. And uh, as he said, they've got one more scholarship available. We didn't really get a chance to get into that too much. Like, do they use it for 
a current walk-on? Yeah, so you said Do they yes. go after a... Well, this, we, this is our conversation after off the air. Yeah. Uh, we, do you go out and find the next best available player? Do you go a position need? And he's like, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, ask him about, uh, you know, we got that. We asked him off the air about the 20 game schedule. We'll keep the conversation mostly private, but um, there's pros and cons to it, according to Coach Smith. Yeah. Mountain West saying they're going to do a 20 game schedule. Coming again next year or two years? I think it's in two. Is it two years? Okay. Yeah. So He's got a couple years left, but it sounds like much of the schedule for this upcoming year is, is done. Still going forward, there was some speculation things might change because of whatnot. Hope so, because that helps the RPI. Yes. Anyways, I hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Stay no, safe. No show Monday. Well, we will not be on the air on Monday, but uh, we'll be back on with you on Tuesday, recapping the things that were and more of the tributes and uh, recognitions for mm-hmm. Jerry Sloan after he passed away. Great man, great oh. coach. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If I told you a year ago you would spend your Memorial Day watching Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning take on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in golf, you probably wouldn't have believed it. Tiger and Phil would have been in season. And until this offseason, Brady didn't really do things like that. But the pandemic has changed a lot. We've seen plenty of NFL players play in pro-ams in the past. Tony Romo, John Smoltz. But having two of the greatest paired with Tiger and Phil is quite unique. That's four of the more competitive people you'll ever see. Each one of them probably remembers every bad swing or bad throw they've made, every loss that they've had, and they can tell you exactly what they did wrong. It will be interesting to see how much insight they give us into their approaches to the game and who will be the biggest trash talker out there. It's not the golf experience that we expected, but it's a nice little extra in a sports season that is missing so very much. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.